Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be talking about Jonathan Kuminga. This is somebody that a lot of people uh, are very high on. I've talked about in the last four episodes, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, or I guess Jalen Green, then Jalen Suggs, and then Evan Mobley yesterday in that order. But a lot of people are pretty hyped about Kaminga, and some people think a lot higher of him than others, but uh, he's a very interesting prospect, and right now he's kind of seen as a set-in-stone number five pick that could definitely change as we uh, are around like a month, maybe even more than a month away from the actual NBA draft, but things can change. He is just kind of mocked around number five almost unanimously across every single drafting platform, so just jumping right into Jonathan Kuminga. This is another guy who out of high school was projected to be an absolute star. Five-star prospect, was ranked number one in his position for most of his senior year. I know ESPN had him number one at small forward, I believe. I'm not sure about Rivals and all the others who do recruiting, but he's very high. I mean, he was not outside the top 10 in anywhere that I was looking at, at least. So he could have picked any college he wanted to as a five-star but he followed Jalen Green's footsteps into going to play for the G League Ignite. Because Jalen Green, he ended up going to uh, the Ignite, making that decision a couple months before Kuminga ended up doing uh, doing that. Uh, Kuminga did his in July. So I think maybe it was like a month gap. But he was a little bit after Green. And that's kind of when the snowball effect started happening, where you got guys like Deshaun Nix and Isaiah Todd to follow. But he was the second guy. He was the co-star to Jalen Green. And at times, he was the star for the G League Ignite. Because after that stint with the team, I mean, he looks good. Being mocked number five everywhere. Looking at his overall stats with the G League Ignite, he played in 13 of the, I guess, 16 games. Because they did play in the playoffs. But he averaged 15.8 points, 7.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists. A steal, 0.8 blocks, and 2.6 turnovers. Doing that in just around 33 minutes a game. But starting off with Jonathan Kuminga from a measurable standpoint, he looks like he's five years older than what he actually is. And he, right now, is only 18. He turns 19 very, very soon. So by the time the season starts, he's going to be 19. But he looks like he's about 22, 23 years old. He's six foot eight, which as a small forward, that's a pretty standard height. And it kind of fluctuates based on the source. You can see him anywhere from six six to six foot eight. I'm just gonna say six eight, because that makes him look like a beast, because he does have a pretty well uh built out frame. But um on top of that, he does have a seven foot wingspan. So four inches higher than his actual height is where you're going to see his wingspan at, just like Evan Mobley in that uh, in that sense. I think LeBron also has a seven foot wingspan, but yeah, he has a pretty long wingspan. And then on top of that, he is 210 pounds. So 6'8", 210. He looks very built though. When you look at Kuminga, you are not going to believe he's 210 pounds. He looks like he's at least 225 maybe even 230 but he is just so toned up and he has so much upper body strength that it'd be a very hard time to uh to pick him out I think if he went on like a fool the guesser thing on like the boardwalk he's winning every time no one's gonna be able to say 210 he uh he just looks very very huge because 
He is. 6'8", 7-foot wingspan, that is perfect. And that gives him a mold that makes him so craftable, both from an offensive and defensive standpoint. But just starting out with his major strength, it's the athleticism that he has. And when I said a couple days ago, Jalen Green is the most athletic guard in the class, I meant it. But I said he was one of the top in the class overall. The only other person who I can kind of see on the same athletic scale as Jalen Green is Jonathan Kuminga. There's no front court piece more athletic than Kuminga in this draft class. And I think putting Green and Kuminga head to head might be a bit awkward because they are a lot different uh, in terms of frame. But Kuminga, he is explosive around the basket. When he is running in transition, he is he's boosting it. I mean, he is flying up to the rim. His vertical can put his head at the rim whenever he is at the apex of his jump. And he's even good at landing on those dunks too. Pivoting even further into that though, he was just like Jalen Green, one of the better alley-oop pieces that team had to offer. They had so many high flyers and so many veterans, especially Jarrett Jack, that um, yeah, they could find a lot of lobs. So did it in transition and half court, he would find the angles and he just dominates. So he'd rise up and start dunking on everybody. Also, though, when you look at kind of a half court setting, Kuminga's athleticism still shows up whenever you're talking off the ball, talked about the alley oops, but also he's very, very sneaky when it comes to getting rebounds. And I discussed that he averaged 7.2 a game for the Ignite, but some of those rebounds came off of putbacks and not just typical putbacks i'm talking putback dunks so he will hide maybe around like the baseline and if the ball pops up there's some hang time he can get in there he'll just sneak in and he doesn't really need a head start he's just gonna jump up like a spring get the ball and slam it down for two points and that's kind of just how it is for him he gets those he's used to it on the alley-oop so nothing's really different but he is a big putback threat, and a lot of times, it's just because people were not boxing out. Like, the centers in the G League, they're solid, but they weren't boxing them out, so it was kind of just easy. Uh, I will say there are defensive lapses in the NBA, though, so he definitely will be able to get some putbacks when people are kind of sleeping on him, and I think that kind of sneakiness to him, I guess you could call it, where he can hide and then out of nowhere come into plays is going to be very very pivotal for him from a day one perspective. I think he could be able to get up there with the best of them in uh, in terms of putbacks. And even when he has the ball in his hands, he likes driving to the basket and he's not like these other guards where they'll get into space and they want to draw contact and maybe get a foul. Jonathan Kuminga, he wants to take your head off sometimes so he can posterize if you want to see any footage of that, he did it to Alexei Pokashevsky in the second game of the Blues season. Maybe it was the Ignite's third, but opening of the year, he dominated against the Blue. He was better than uh, than Green, in my opinion, that game. But yeah, he was dunking. He was clamping down everybody. It's a very good game. But um, yeah, I think with that, it kind of just shows you the little you know, indecisiveness he has. He's such a confident guy. When it comes to slashing and since he can elevate he will take you to the rack and he's dunking on people at 210 pounds obviously you have to keep in mind like the poku reference 
he probably weighs more than Poku. Like, they're going to say Poku's 220 pounds. I don't know if he's 220 pounds, man. I really don't know that. Um, but, yeah, like, he can still dunk on guys who have a pretty filled-out body. So I don't think playing against NBA vets is going to really ding him up in terms of uh, whether or not he's trying to dunk on people. It's going to be something he will be going right after when he gets into playing. But... Even with that being said, sometimes he doesn't even need to take your head off. He'll just look for the easy points, and he will find the angle. I think he's very good at doing that. So when Kuminga starts to slow down on drives, he begins to use his back almost as like a shield. So he's going to you know, face away from the goal. This is from the left or right wing, really. But he almost gets into this post stance for a little bit, and he will just briefly get into it, like a little push from that back, and he's going to hope that his defender is going to sway one way or the other, not just stick you know, right, uh, right behind him where there's no angle for him. But if he senses any pressure from his left or right side, he'll just go the opposite way, and he'll use the backboard for some of his layups. He did that time and time again for the G League, so that's something that he will be able to do. You know, I don't know if the speed overall is like crazy, but um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely one of his go-to moves in the G League. And then on top of that, I mean, he did show some post game with that. And whenever he was under the rim, he did a really good job faking shots under the rim and then also taking turnarounds. So one of the plays that you see all the time in basketball is if you're wide open under the rim, you just go up for a pump fake. And if someone, you know, is flying right at you, you wait, and then as soon as they're kind of hovering above you, you go up a bit, and you get the contact. You can even shrug off and try to get an and one play. Jonathan Kuminga is able to do that. And then the turnarounds, like I said, too. But that tendency, uh, it's kind of pretty situational for almost all of them, as I said, because head-on, he's a much different player. But coming in from the sides, that is really where he will go to. I don't think it's as much of... Uh, you know, trying to make bang, bang plays. He's a lot more kind of well thought out whenever he makes moves coming in from, uh, from the baseline. But whenever he does come in slashing on, I do like, you know, some of the other areas of his game that he can get into. He doesn't really break away from his defenders straight up with his ball handling skills. But if he does have an extra step, you'll see the defender behind him, you know, accelerate and try to speed up. And let's say he's driving right or something. His defender's going to try to cut in and bring some contact from the left side. Let's say he finally is able to come close to him, brush his arm, and uh, he's trying to get himself back into the play, get the angle on. Well, whenever Jonathan Kuminga feels that pressure, he goes in for spin moves. And once he goes in for that spin move, say goodbye. He has the angle yet again. He's looking right at the basket. And unless you have reinforcements, he's going to be able to make his layup because he does have some pretty soft touch around the glass. Even off the ball, as I mentioned, I do really like him in terms of cutting to the rim. I think that when Kuminga is playing in the NBA, he could be a great cutter from day one. He's going to be someone who can put double digits on the board solely on how he's moving off the ball. He can catch you sleeping. He's going to get two points. He recognizes the weak side and he's going to go right at it every chance that he is given. And when he gets those cuts from the back door, he can go for the oops. 
he can go for the standing dunks, driving dunks. He can just go up for simple layups if he wants to as well. And uh, even he can try to go up and do some post hooks. But like I said, I do think that is uh, all, the, all that I really just said on the finishing should work out perfectly fine as he moves from the G League, which has NBA prospects, to playing everybody who is in the NBA. But moving on from just finishing, I want to talk about really what sets that up, and that is ball handling. And I'm particularly talking about when he's in space, because when he's in isolation, it's a little bit different. But I will say in space, he's good, because he does have wrinkles. He does need to work on his ball handling to be at a very good level in the NBA, but he does have those seeds that he can kind of branch out on uh, while he's, you know, working next two, three years. I think he can develop with uh, his ball style, but yeah, it's not really clean cut, could be a bit faster, could be a bit tighter, um, but he does still have a pretty promising crossover and also a pretty promising behind the back. So whenever he's going uphill or downhill, I guess, with the ball, he can hit you with a behind the back. He can hit you with a moving crossover. Even when he's at the top of the key, he'll hit you with a crossover. And once he goes there, he's going to just accelerate and try to take an angle. And if he's able to get that amount of room, he is going to be good to go. And then he's going to go in to penetration mode. And even when he gets into the mid-range, one thing I love about Jonathan Kuminga is he has a good, steady pull-up jumper and... People don't really expect it from him. I'm going to talk about his shooting, but he was not really known for his shooting in the G League. But despite that, he had a very good pull-up jumper and he had wide open middies off the ball or on the ball really whenever he wanted. So he does have a sick pull-up game going on in terms of step backs. I'm not really sure if I saw anything there. <laughs> I always like talking about step backs, but there was not enough for me to say anything uh, about Kuminga. When it comes to his passing, though, he's good. I mean, he averaged 2.7 assists in the season with uh, with the Ignite. But for the most part, I feel like over 50% of those assists came off of feeds to the basket. And I'm talking a center. I'm talking someone slicing into the basket. And it starts with him running in transition. He has his eyes up the entire way. This is something that Brian Shaw must have instilled into everybody on the Ignite roster, but they were so good in passing in transition. Top to bottom, that roster was. Defensively, they had lapses where no one knew what was going on, but transition offense for them was absolute gold, and it came from dunking, it came from passing, and Jonathan Kuminga could do both at a very high level. So if he saw someone on a two-on-one going right at him, which Kuminga, I mean, he showed to be a very slithery dominant finisher so that happened a lot he would look to kick out across the floor and even look to throw some lobs if someone was sneaking in from the back door and there was this one highlight play between him and Jalen Green where they had a two-on-one situation Green was curling in from the right wing Green flew up in the sky Kuminga you know it's like one it's like the Marshawn Brooks to Green Gerald Green dunk where if he threw it better, it would have given you the same result, just not as cool, but he threw it a bit high. Green got up there and slammed it down, but yeah, I mean, he can throw those alley-oops, and it's more just talking about Jalen Green, honestly, but yeah, he can dunk. He can dunk um, very, very well. I will say, though, in reading in the pick and roll, 
Kuminga, he's good. He had reps actually handling the basketball off of screens. And this is like what Pokashevsky did. We saw it in the back end of the Thunder season. We also saw it in the G League a lot, where he was one of the orchestrators. So Kuminga would get at the top of the key. He'd call for a high ball screen. Whoever's setting it, Amir Johnson, Isaiah Todd, someone's going to get up there and set Kuminga's screen. So he's going to get that, and then he's just going to run with it. He's going to look to penetrate every single time. And most of those drives, the you know the center would either have to completely drop back or switch. You know there was not really, or I guess I take it back. There wasn't a lot of dropping, more or less. But he got latched on by both defenders every time, for the most part. But he was very good at lofting up passes when both of them decided to collapse in, and then when he's reading from up top. This is before a screen even happens. He's always looking for some backdoor cuts. He knows what it's like to be a backdoor cutter. So he sees the field perfectly, talking like it's basketball. But yeah, he's able to read the court very well. And when he sees someone tap in from the corners of the wings, he's got him. He's not really prone to be thrown to the corners. And sometimes he did have issues kicking it out there. But um, yeah, overall, he was beautiful. I mean, he could throw overheads. He could slice in bounce passes to these guys driving in and all of them must love Kuminga for how he was able to pass same goes with the center because as he is going off those screens number one he's pretty big but number two he's pretty good at finding them and getting them the baskets so overall I think he's a pretty good passer and if he is able to get into more cross-court passes he did have a couple moments where he threw some good targets there if he's able to really tap in there, become a finished product in that regard, and find guys in the corners, his passing is going to be a pretty good strong suit for him. And I don't know if it's going to be overwhelming, but he definitely will show up on the stat sheet for how he's able to pass the basketball around. Only real knock on his passing, especially when you got guys cutting in, is the overhead pass is not that crisp. Like, it will have too much air on it. So, for all these ball hawks you have in the league, luckily, most of them are lurking out on the wings, not the interior. But if he was trying to throw these sort of overhead passes and cross-court passes, those ball hawks would just be preying on him because it needs to get tightened. And I think that would get fixed up in no time. And in the G League, it never once was a real problem for him. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could tool up on that. That's a bit of a nitpick, though. I, I will say um, that's more of his offensive game, but he has a lot of defensive upside, which is what gives him such a unique kind of floor as well as ceiling. A lot of people like to see him as a two-way threat, and the way he played against the blue, that's the way I feel, but I'm just going to go into the defensive upside that he has overall. And it starts with the frame that he has. I mean, 6'8", 7-foot wingspan, 210 pounds, 18 years old already looks like he's 23 imagine what he's gonna look like when he's 23 right like he is going to be built up he's gonna be 240 pounds and if the slashing was not already good enough now because he does use a lot of strength in those drives it's gonna be better way way better when you add 30 pounds onto his frame given that he can carry that around and still play as good as he is but defensively that 6'8", 7-foot wingspan is a recipe for 
defensive versatility and for everyone wanting defensive versatility which should be everyone in the league by the way this is a guy that you can work with you want someone who's six eight who has this wingspan because they can play at the four i don't know about the five yet that's kind of one of those gray areas but at the four he can move there and then you think well hey could he drop down to the two i mean he's not electric in terms of speed but yeah i mean he has some some little giddy up to him so that's where the cogs kind of start turning for you and think what options could you have with a guy like Jonathan Kuminga and I want to start this area with kind of saying that first off he did have lapses he did show times where he was pretty unaware of, of what was going on and that was a concern I had with Jalen Green that's a concern I'm going to have with Isaiah Todd and Deshaun Nix everyone on that Ignite team had plays where they just were clueless and I don't know. I guess it was just a little fall of grace they had because they were amazing in the first like half of the half of the season. Kind of crumbled until the very end. But yeah, there was a lot of defensive uh, breakdowns there. So I'm not really going to credit a lot of that to Kaminga. More or less, just what was going on with the team. Definitely think though, um, he did have a lot of great moments, and a lot of them came against smaller defenders. Now they still beat him because his lateral quickness is not elite. But he was still able to hold up against some of those guys. And that includes players like Yogi Ferrell and Xavier Simpson, who if you guys did not watch either of them. Let me tell you, Yogi Ferrell is quick. And Xavier Simpson, he played for the Blue. He is lightning fast. Played at Michigan, I think, for all four years. But yeah, he's, he's very quick on his feet as well. So he can cover ground. But I think the first thing you start off with is kind of his pick and roll defense. And this is something that Mobley was praised for yesterday, being able to guard one through five on these pick and rolls. And he's no done deal, but Mobley is very, very close to that level right now. Kuminga, he has the potential, but you're not at that stage where you're saying he for sure will be able to handle anyone one through five on a pick and roll. He did show upside though, switching onto those guards. And he was still efficient when he was dropping back. And he also has that quickness to where he can drop back, and if someone goes for a floater, he can try to close out. Also, if you try weaving a pass into your center, he can run back and make a play. He can chase down on blocks. You heard me talk about his, you know, head-high dunks. He's got, he can chase down, so he can be very versatile in that sense, and when it comes to switching on those guards, if the guards try taking him on a penetration, it really does not work out that well because they will get tied up if they don't get the perfect angle immediately. And then if there's a step back, they're screwed. If they pick up the ball, the play is over. You're going to need to reset against Kuminga. If there's someone with a crazy step back, that is the territory that that's why you call it potential because the guys in the G League, they can score, but they don't have wild, wild in their bag shot creating moves. Against premier shot creators, you don't know if Jonathan Kuminga will be able to handle those guys. But against pretty solid shot creators in the G League, he was holding his own in short stints. Not every time, but there's definitely a reason as to why you would be excited watching Kuminga play. As a rim protector, though, I think it's really the same thing. Averaged a block a game, and it spanned from just traditional blocks where he's right under the basket... And then those just wild chase downs where it's going to be going into the stands. And 
There were no stands in Orlando, but an NBA arena, there's fans in there now. They're going to be screaming because of what they saw Kuminga do um, by blocking shots. I think the lateral quickness really is the most important part, though. It's good for where he's at position-wise, though um, that will be the determining factor in guards and then closeouts, you know, those fingertip locks, everything kind of like that. But he does need those touch-ups, and um, yeah, I I do like him, though, when it comes to switching on guards in tiny, tiny lapses. In terms of stealing the basketball, Jonathan Kuminga was also pretty good. He averaged 0.8 steals, and he got his steals both through pestering people in the lanes and also just being looking up and kind of being a ball hawk whenever he is um, he is working outside. I think I might have botched up what I was saying, but I'm pretty much talking down low against bigs and then also on the wings, um, being able to lurk and kind of jar the ball loose. I will say in his pick and roll defense, if he goes back onto the center, you would see a lot off like hedges. That's where he was working well. He'd hedge and then he'd sprint back onto the center. And you'd see a lot of these lob passes thrown up to the centers and Kuminga would just sky up on these 50-50 balls. Now, granted, a lot of the ones we saw on tape were terrible, terrible passes. But if you would have put a seven-footer who is not fast in Kuminga's shoes, that would have resulted in two points every single time. So I guess maybe it's not a terrible pass. It's more of Kuminga is able to get around the court fairly quickly, which is why people are kind of so enamored with him overall. So that's where I see with him. I mean, the blocks, the steals, there's both, you know, both that area has potential. And then the pick and roll defense is the important part because if there's versatility there where he can take guards, he's going to be set up on the defensive side of the basketball. But there are some weaknesses to his game. And it starts out with shooting the ball. I love Jonathan Kuminga when it comes to shooting the basketball. I think that he is probably the most confident 28% shooter, whatever he is. He's a 25% shooter. Most confident I've seen probably ever. He is so confident flaring up the ball, but he wasn't getting the results that he needed to. I'm going to start with the positives though with Kuminga's jumper. And it's, I think it's pretty fluid. I mean, off the bounce and off the catch, he was able to shoot it uh, fairly well. And he was getting open off of those shots. But uh, yeah, like like I said, it, it just wasn't a lot of success there. I will say though, like I said, fluid off that catch, fluid off the bounce, and then even pulling up, he did, uh, he did look good. I think that what will be a domino effect with him is if he's able to sure up from three, the inside game is going to be so much better. And then you can start tapping back into those areas I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, like those turnarounds and the mid-range pull-ups, the post shots. It gets his whole offense rolling to where he can be a serious threat with the ball in his hands trying to drive in on players as opposed to kind of giving you Andre Roberson treatment where you're begging them to shoot the ball up every given moment that uh, that they can. And that's what defenses did in the bubble, actually. And Kuminga fell into that trap. But from my perspective, he didn't fall into any single trap. I'm actually glad that he was doing this. He ended up shooting 16 of 65 from three this past year. And that is 24.6%. That's not where you want to be at. And he was taking five shots a game and doing so. 
very, very spotty as a shooter. And there were not a lot of games where he shot 50, over 50% from three. I think he had like a two of three game and a one of two game. Outside of that, you're talking blank performances, one of sevens, just pretty ugly overall. Like if you were trying to win, you would not allow Jonathan Kaminga to be shooting threes because it is a very low percentage shot for him. But I'm still okay with it because people are still pretty high on uh, the mechanics and where he could potentially go. The big thing with me is Kuminga had a nice hot spot that really showed a completely different side of him than all other areas from the perimeter. So you have the two corners, you have the two wings, and you have the top of the key. We're just looking at the left wing right now. He shot 10 of 21 from three. That's 47.6%. Everywhere else, he shot four of 28. That's 14%. Actually, I take it back. That's not overall. That is strictly in the right wing. So just look at the major shot disparity you have between two symmetrical parts on the floor. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And then, like I said, overall, I mean, he shot 16 of 65 from three. So over, I guess overall, he only shot what? Like six of 44 from all other zones. Let me just punch that in real quick. That's 13.6%. So he only had one area from three that he was consistently making, but you know, 47% is huge. I'm going to say this though, with really everybody who played in the G league, and you can say it with the college players too, but the sample size is pretty little there. So you can see some up and down changes. I will say though, since Kuminga was launching up five threes a game, I'm going to go out and say that it's pretty consistent with the baseline because he was shooting threes more than anyone on that Ignite team all season long. And when you want to look even further to, you know, shooting evidence, sometimes you'll see a spotty three, but you think, you know what, you can resurrect this. And one of the main contributors as to that thought process is the free throw. And with free throws, I said it with Mobley, I'm going to say it with Kuminga. You want it to be around 80%. Jonathan Kuminga shot 62.5% from the free throw line this year, and he averaged 3.7 attempts a game. So that is pretty poor. That's pretty poor, and that aligns with the evaluation of him not being able to hit shots really whatsoever. So that obviously sucks. I will say, though, when I look at Kuminga, I am pretty high on him as a shooter of some degree. I don't know if it's just catch and shoot, but I think he does have what it takes to be a shooter at the next level. And here is why. It's straight up because of the confidence. And confidence isn't going to be the do-all, be-all. Like, if you're confident shooting threes, you can still brick shots over and over again, because Kuminga just did it. But if you keep trying, and you keep trying, eventually those results are going to show up. Look at Poku from this past season. He couldn't make shots. He did not look confident taking a jumper before going to the G League. And it really helped him. After the G League, he was shooting threes like nothing ever happened. He looked like Kevin Durant when he was playing. He was so damn confident flying the ball out from 30 feet. Another guy who I really have the same comparison with Kuminga, uh, at least a similar track record, is going to be Lou Dort. And If you guys remember, the path with him was a little bit weird. He was a five-star, signed with ASU, had a pretty good 
rookie or I guess freshman campaign with them. I think he had defensive honors and he might have been thrown into like a freshman team. But um, yeah, I mean, when I'm drafted, came in as a two-way contract player and just started playing for the blue. And when he got upgraded, he was just meant to be a defensive guy. But they ended up needing a perimeter shooter on that roster. At the two, you were gutted. You didn't have a Diallo. You didn't have a Terrence Ferguson active. So it was just necessary he played. The injuries pretty much forced their hand. And he looked very, very good. Except from one area. And that was from three. Could not depend on Lou Dort at all. In the bubble, he wasn't hitting well. In the playoff series with Houston, they were not guarding him. And, you know, there was this talk from games one through six where, yeah, Lou Dort was able to clamp up James Harden easily, but it was four on five basketball on the other end. And you just had Lou Dort sitting on the right corner. James Harden didn't care. They were looking for rebounds and he would take the shot regardless. You saw some confidence lapses, but not that much with him. He was still taking those threes and he was not making them until the final game of the year. Game seven, he goes seven of 14 from three, drops 30 points, and they barely lose. You know, if James Harden doesn't get his fingertip on there, the Thunder might have been in the second round against the Lakers. So it was just a major kind of comeback story with him from an Andre Roberson type where he can only play defense to you look at him right now and he's seen as a two-way threat when you look at his rookie campaign with Chris Paul Schroeder etc he shot right around 30 percent a little under 29.7 percent this past season with the Thunder he was taking 6.3 attempts from downtown that's got to be a team high he ended up shooting 34.3%. And when I say 34.3, that's a pretty solid number. That is where you want to be for a guy like Kuminga. That is a huge success. And Dort before that was shooting like 38, 39%. Took the final end of the season to finally drop it down for him. But it's clear that he can shoot the three ball now. And it wouldn't have been that way had the Thunder not been forced into the position and had Dort not been forced to start chucking up threes. And with the rebuild that Oklahoma City had, it was the perfect storm for Lou Dort to grow as a player because if he was still under this same role with, you know, Chris Paul, SGA, whatever, you want to make the team, they wouldn't want him taking those shots because they're out there trying to win. This past year for the Thunder, Lou Dort was meant to shoot those threes, make or miss, it was still a plus. And hell, they wanted to lose at the end of the year anyways, so might as well make them miss some shots. But I kind of see that uh, that same kind of storyline with Jonathan Kaminga right now, where he is so confident shooting the three ball, and I think given some time, you will start to see him going from a 25% three-point shooter to you know, maybe 30%. The goal for him is shooting in the low to mid 30s. And just that on his own is going to make him a success because you don't want him to just be a one-dimensional scorer offensively because that's going to take a toll not just on him, but the whole entire team. Because if you can sag off and be okay with him shooting, it's four on five. And that is a very messy game to be playing. Sure, 
he'll be great in the pick and roll, but that'd be his only use. You need him to get a three to start rolling. And if he gets that shot, like Lou Dort, Lou Dort's not just a three-point guy off a catch and shoot. He can do it off the dribble now. He can pull up. That's where I see Jonathan Kuminga personally. And I see him more or less as a project. This is a person who defensively and interiorly is going to be able to grow on his own, but there's going to be some nurturing that will need to take effect if you want to see him be a positive shooter in the NBA. And this is why if there's a scenario where you have a team like the Warriors or just some crazy leapfrog team that hops up five, six, seven spots, I don't even know how high they'd jump, but if they go out and snatch someone like Jonathan Kuminga, it's going to hurt him. And if they don't want him to shoot threes, I don't think he's ever going to develop one. I mean, he needs in-game experience to become a shooter because he was having times where he, he looked like he could shoot the basketball. You want to see that time and time again with him. So I guess he's more like a Darius Baisley that we saw this past season where there's going to be times where watching Kuminga play, you would not be happy with what he's doing. But over time, he'll start looking all right. That's kind of where I see him, actually. Uh, kind of like a Baisley uh, shooting rise right now. But when you look past the perimeter, there's only one other knock I have, and it's how he settles on drives, and he kind of gets that tunnel vision. So he's very good at finishing. Like I said, most athletic in the entire front court, at least for this draft class, way, way ahead. But Kaminga's moves, you know, it, it is a lot more heavy on finding those angles and shrugging off defenders. If he doesn't find the angle and if he doesn't just get right off his defender with his overall strength, he's going to be caught in the lane and he's going to be screwed because his cop-out move that he's generated is the spin layup. That's about his only real thing that I've seen, that's his old reliable. And it worked, but it also resulted in like the end of him. So he'd go for these spin layups and he'd still be stuffed. At that point, he is screwed. So he would still take these shots. Like he feels like if he makes it into the paint, he's almost required to take take shots. And he does not need to do that. He needs to open up his eyes and kind of kick out. Let's reset the offense. But he is so go, go, go when he gets into shifting into penetration, he just zones out and he's not paying enough attention that he truthfully needs to. So when he gets that tunnel vision, it hurts. I mean, it comes from the slashing and it hurts because he's got teammates that are going to be open. If someone comes in to play help defense, the play is essentially going to be over. So just chill out on the drives a bit. He's very, very good at it, but he needs to know when there's kind of some pressure coming and then kick out before it's a little bit too late because he averaged 2.6 turnovers this season. A lot of it had to do with that. And some of it also had to do with him getting trapped in those spots. But instead of taking terrible shots, he would just fling crazy, crazy passes to players that just aren't open. So also, I guess the handle too, since it's not as tight, but that's the main knock. I don't think it's the handling. It's more the passing when, um, you know, he has a lot of pressure coming his way. But overall, I see Jonathan Kuminga as one of the most gifted athletes in this draft class. The way he's able to soar up on drives, he can put the ball back off a dunk or even go up for chase down blocks. He has a unique kind of aura surrounding him 
with the body that is 6'8", you know, with a 7-foot wingspan. That's not, you know, something you're going to see every single day, especially with a number 5 pick attached to him or wherever he may go. But that's kind of, you know, where where he's expected to be. I don't think he's going to bring everything that you want him to immediately. He was beasting in the G League, and a lot of it just came off of strict inside game. Inside game, you're going to get that same type of Jonathan Kuminga, and that is a very, very good Jonathan Kuminga, slashing inside with or without the ball. He can contribute. Going up in the post, he can turn around. He can get those post hooks. Those two have asterisks, but he is going to be able to feast off of layups and running downhill from day one. The deal is, it really has to do with his shooting, but um, yeah, finishing, defending, think he's going to be a decent defender immediately, and then also rebounding. He is a very good rebounder that will be able to make an impact. The way he's able to play downhill, very good for his size, very good for his age. The way he plays off the ball, same deal, very, very good, and then how he plays as a pick-and-roll defender. It's it's huge. And it's more of a vision here with pick and roll defense. Cause as I said, he's not a set in stone pick and roll defender, but just trying to picture him as a one through four switcher on a pick and roll. That is what Kawhi Leonard does. When you saw in game six and seven, where the Clippers just out of nowhere stole the series, who was the guy guarding Luka Doncic? It was Kawhi Leonard every single second they had because Kawhi even though he is a small forward, he has some long, long arms. He can close out and he can stay attached. Jonathan Kuminga's not like that right now. Can't mirror his defenders. Lateral quickness needs improvement, but he can hang on with some of those point guards and just make them have some nightmares if they ever get caught up in the mid-range with him. So I like him. I like him as a uh, defensive guy. The scoring is going to work itself out. We're going to figure out if Jonathan Kuminga is a legit scorer, probably in his rookie contract. First two seasons, we should know if he's going to be a shooter and if that's ever going to be part of his arsenal. If it's not, that is when you know the comparisons really drop down for him and you start checking the floor because the floor can be pretty low, uh, at least from an efficiency standpoint. But if he is able to be a shooter and he can score off the catch, off the dribble, you think, hey, maybe he has what it takes to be a core member of a playoff team. I would, I would want to say all-star, but yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it. I think he could be an all-star if that three-point shot develops for him. So my evaluation for Jonathan Kuminga is going to be an uber-athletic OG Ananobi. And he takes other shades of different players, but I think OG really embodies him fairly, fairly well. Because from day one, I think he's going to be just like OG. Now, OG, he's a much better defender than I'd say Kuminga will be from the get-go. As a finisher, I'm going to give Kuminga the extra bump. So it kind of steadies it out. I do think that kind of archetype, though, is the same with the both of them. OG loves, when finishing, to go for contact, going for spin layups, and trying to get to the line. That is what Jonathan Kuminga does. And even on turnarounds, OG can do that. Now, they are not the quickest when slashing in, but they can also go up and dunk it down. Jonathan Kuminga's on another level there, 
And as I talked about, OG defensively does have that step up on him. I just want to kind of reiterate what I said here, and that's why I'm thinking OG. But it's just the versatility that Kuminga could bring. OG, as we know, can play off those screens, can guard, I'd say, two through four fairly well. Kuminga, that's about what you're looking for. If you can add on the one, that is going to be very good for him. He can already guard the three and four just fine as of right now. But um, yeah, the way he scores downhill, amazing. way he goes up for the putbacks, also amazing. People are going to love him for that part of his game. And the way he's able to go down on alley-oops too, just very electric as a slasher. And when he gets into contact too, he's very, very decorated. So he's going to be a serious interior force. I think that's going to be something that will get in double digits. I don't know how he wouldn't average double digits as a rookie, like a 10 and 5 stat line. If he's going to be on the right situation where he's playing 28 minutes as an absolute focal point, that's kind of the floor. Even without a three-point shot, I think he could be a pretty dominant scorer. Um, the, the big deal is the handling, and I think it could see up and downs. I want to see him as a penetrator, but... Um, I don't know. I don't know if someone would restrict him and say, you're just going to play a reserved role, defend, and then just stay outside. We might get you for catch and shoots. I want to see him be able to have the ball, get screens, and work off of those because he's a great passer in the pick and roll, and he still can finish in those situations as well as just picking up those angles. That will never really shy away from him right now. Defensively, I think that Kuminga will cave out or carve out a pretty solid defensive role. I don't think he's ever going to be a weak point for you. Now, he could just be a guy that's overall just average as a defender. You're never going to pick him out of the crowd, really. But you're never going to, if you had to say, you know, take one person off the team, Kuminga's not going to be that guy from a, from a defensive standpoint. I like um, kind of where he's already at because he did show times he could guard up on the point guards. Really, any position he has shown that he can defend them. It's just more a matter of, was that a fluke? Was the competition not good enough? And I think the competition was good. Uh, A lot of it comes down to lateral quickness, but I do like him as a defender, a multi-positional defender. And that is a major plus for his draft stock, I believe. Defending well off the screens too, that's also going to pay huge dividends for him because everyone is in search for pick and roll defenders right now, pick and pop defenders. He can do a little bit of everything in terms of dropping back, switching, or hedging. I don't think he's really amazing in any of them currently. He's just, he's solid. He's solid and he can turn into a great defender in any, maybe even all three of those types of coverages overall. But that archetype is just something that you have to love. And that even goes into getting the rebounds him as a stealer when it comes to pick and rolls and then also up top he can burst out and try to you know get in the passing lanes but also the chase downs too so he does have just a shed of light in every single area of defense which is is huge because some guys especially as you go down the board they have pretty clear weaknesses on defense and Kuminga has weaknesses but they don't show up a ton. Like, he does not get abused. So, that's that, really. I I think with the floor being he cannot shoot, he'd still be a solid contributor. Now, it might be off the bench, though. It might be off the bench if there's just zero shot whatsoever. 
especially if you're talking about a team that wants to be contending. You can't really have someone in your starting lineup that straight up cannot shoot the basketball. And I think Kuminga can. I think he's going to be a decent shooter in this league. Is he going to be lights out? Probably not, but I do think he he could form into more of that OG where, yeah, he can start hitting down threes, and I think that's going to be that. I've seen comparisons drawn with him and Jeff Green, and I don't necessarily hate them because Jeff Green is not the fastest guy on the floor, but he gets the catch and shoots off. When playing for Boston and Oklahoma City, he could pull up. I could see that. I could see that at his peak there. But, um, yeah, I don't know about the overall, like, just dominant scoring every single play. I do think he's going to be a positive player, though, as a shooter. And that kind of lifts my evaluation on him. I know a lot of people think the floor is low. The floor is extremely low. But you got to go boom or bust for some players. Jonathan Kuminga is the key to that sort of pick right now. In the top five, it's a best boom or bust. Well, I guess out of people that you don't know on. He has the best rumor bust potential given that he ticks on the shot. And the reason I say this is because I think a tanking team will take a chance on Jonathan Kuminga. If he plays for the Thunder, if he plays for the Sacramento Kings, if he plays for the Magic, just some team that desperately needs some sort of small forward, so I guess maybe not the Kings, but just some rebuilding franchise that desperately needs young talent and will put him in the forefront, Jonathan Kuminga, that could be your guy. And for that, I say they'll probably let Kuminga hoist up threes. If this is a rebuilding franchise like in Orlando, they're trying to tear things down. They just got Steve Clifford out the door. They're going to bring in a new guy. And I say for the next two, three years, they'll probably be trying to stockpile up assets because they already have the Bulls pick this year, unless it's like a, you know, one through three or something. But yeah, those bottom-of-the-pack teams should love the thought of having Kuminga because he can be the defensive specialist. You already know, athletically, he is very gifted. But to put all the tools together, you're going to need that jumper. So you bring Kuminga in, and you say, we're going to let you shoot the basketball however many times you want. He's wide open. Take the shot. Growing pains will be there, and it might always be there. He may never pan out, but I do think on a tanking team, giving him the rookie season to just play just like he was with the Ignite, really no restrictions, you're going to see the best version of Jonathan Kuminga you're ever going to see. Put him on a playoff contributor, he'll be able to contribute, but never to the extent he would if he was tanking and if he was the third or fourth option on a franchise from day one. If he's under the right guidance, he can be a guy who will be dropping consistently like 18 points. I mean, with the Ignite, he was ending up averaging, what, like 16? I think that was, I think it was 16 points. It was, uh, yeah, 16, 15.8 points. If he's under the right guidance, you could see those where he's averaging 16 and 8 pretty much every every game. And that could be kind of where he's at for a couple years. Solid, solid piece that I think anyone would want. Just right now, you need to let him see where he can grow at. If there's no three, yeah, he'd be a good bench guy. And maybe even as a starter, I think he'd be a solid defensive contributor anywhere. It's more or less how you shape your offense, because if you're more about pick and roll, you can cover up 
some of the deficiencies Kuminga would have as a shooter. But if you're running five out, he would hurt and you might want him in a bench. But he'd be a very premium bench player at that. So I like him. I think the skills will work out for him. And the what from what I saw in the G League, I think the floor is pretty high. A lot higher than what I've heard from other people. So that's me just saying it. I really like Jonathan Kuminga. The three-point shapes out for him. He will be a scary, scary piece for whoever ends up selecting him. Will he be the top guy on a team? I don't know if you go that far, but he will be one of the core members that will uh, will stick around past just that rookie contract. But yeah, guys, that is just my overall thoughts on Jonathan Kuminga. As always, this could change. I'll be looking more extensively into these players as we approach draft day. But from what I saw in the G League, I liked him better than Jalen Green at times. So that is that's a serious compliment to be taking because I really love Jalen Green. He can be a perfect sidekick, Kuminga. I think it, it really just has to do on what happens on draft day and if the situation is willing to kind of let him have those up and downs because he definitely will see that from the perimeter. I don't think inside will ever be an issue though. Anyways though, that is going to wrap things up on my take on Kuminga. If you guys have any other takes on him, please make sure to tell me on my Twitter, just my name. Also, you can talk to the pods Twitter, just at ThunderstickPod. I will check it out. I got the DMs open for you, so there should be no hard worries there. If for whatever reason it is shut down, you guys can just mention me and I will reply through the Twitter comments or whatever you want to call it, the threads. Uh. Anyways, though, that is going to do it for me. I will be back doing some more draft stuff later on. And uh, yeah, just keep on lookout because I will be talking more draft as we continue to near it. But thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.